Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. With season 48 in the can, we're ready to take a look back to crown some sketch champions and mourn what could have been the last three episodes. I'm Catherine Coleman, and I'm joined this week by old trustees John Murray and Steve Finn. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter at SNL Podcast. You can also go to patreon.com slash SNL Podcast to get access to all of our season 48 coverage. It's our patrons who make the show possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already come on board. All right, here we go. Hello, guys. Good to see you. Welcome. Likewise. Hello, you two. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a minute. You all well? Okay. Yeah, I'm doing well. <laughs> everyone, everyone, everyone's surviving. John, you, you had a new baby in January. Uh, Steve's I moved. Did, yeah. Uh, I've moved. been off the map, but yeah, we got a lot going on. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's uh, a time of change, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we've made a little bit of time this evening to make sure we do right by our season 48 coverage, put a little bookend on it. Yeah. Uh, hopefully offer something to the, the listeners since we've been missing in action for, for a little while, for good reasons. But right, yeah. nonetheless, we're back. We're going to lay it down right. Yeah. So, you know, where we've been, we... uh. We recorded an episode, Steve, me, you, and Brian recorded that last episode. Uh, I think it was after whatever run of three included Woody Harrelson. And while we recorded that, I made a joke about my dad having COVID. And then in ultimate karmic justice, he died two days later. So that's where we've been. Uh, I've been (laughs) keeping my head low, afraid of my own power. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, I'm glad we're at the joking phase of all this. You know. I never know how to you know approach those kind of things. <laughs> you know, I'm nothing yeah, if not a life, comedian. Life threw you a couple curves. And uh, I know that our audience more than understands when, when life gets in the way, but it, it's good yeah. to see you back up and smiling and, and uh, you know, just looking like the, the Catherine we know and love. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to get into SNL with like in a good headspace. And talk about it, and you know, maybe 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 we'll touch on a few things we missed because I know there were there were a handful of episodes that we never covered. We didn't record anything, so you know, maybe that mm-hmm. those will come up naturally in our conversation. But um, yeah, let's mm-hmm. uh let's jump in, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. I would say so. Let's do it. So I mean, up first, you know, our old trusty finale extravaganza patron questions section. We had we have this one that I think uh, offers some important framing. As we go into our discussions of cast departures, who's staying, uh, unfortunately, the the writer's strike and the abrupt end of the season has to frame it. So we got this question from Travis Kemp that says, as you may have heard, because of the writer's strike, SNL has officially shut down production as well as the other late night shows. On the one hand, I'm disappointed that we won't be getting any more new SNL episodes. On the other hand, I do support the writers 100%. What are your thoughts about it? We'll go to John. Oh, okay. All right. So I wish I had some brilliant thoughts, but I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out right at the top so that people expect very little from me during this (laughs) podcast. So as I've alluded to on the few occasions when I've popped in over the last couple of years, at this point in my life, I am watching SNL super casually. Like, you know, I'll, I'll still tune in, but I'm not dissecting sketches. I'm not watching it multiple times. I'm not pouring over, um, you know, like Reddit and the other haunts where the SNL super fans are hanging out, offering their opinion. So as soon as you lose that foothold and you stop keeping pace with the show, it's very hard to have anything brilliant to offer because it, 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 it passes you by so quick. It's, it, 
it's riding culture. Mm -hmm. And if you step out of culture for like even a week, you feel like you're, you're behind the curve and you have no idea what's going on. And, and now I'm two years, you know, uh, out of touch. So, um, I just, uh, I want everyone to understand that, uh, I just, I, I wish I had brilliant things to offer. I don't, the show has been through writer strikes before it never ends the show. Um, it's always a, a nice early vacation for people. Uh, ultimately these things get resolved and people get back to work and, and life goes on. So I don't like when I hear strikes coming up in entertainment industry, I never really sweat it. Cause I, I've lived long enough to know that, you know, there's still going to be another Marvel movie. There's still going to be another episode of SNL. Like it's just, I understand it's important. They got to, you know, get a contract that's going to be workable for everyone. And it's a little painful to go through that process and have things grind to a halt. And we never like losing our show prematurely and not knowing what could have been. But at the end of the day, they'll be back in the fall and this will all just kind of be a wisp in the wind. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's about as deep as, as I'm really concerned about that. And I do love that before we started, John was like, don't expect anything great of me. And then I have the first question. I'm like, so John, what did you want? Coming out hot. Coming out hot. Uh, Let's cut to our expert casual watcher. (laughs) No, I feel like, uh, I mean, Travis really summed it up pretty well on one hand. It sucks. And on the other hand, the writers should get paid better. Like it's yeah. uh it's a lose, lose, lose for everybody. Um, you know, because I mean, eventually, hopefully the writers have a win, but in the meantime, you know, they'd rather be writing stuff. They'd rather be working and getting paid. We would rather be getting right. content. Uh, <laughs> producers would much rather be making money. Uh, so, you know, it, it sucks. And especially they announced, uh, who, who would have been hosting. I would have been really excited to see Kieran Culkin yeah. come back. Uh, that's a, that's a real, real big loss. Uh, but why did they have to do you know, that? Just who, makes it who, were, that much more. who were the others for the final run? I had heard it, but it's escaped. Because uh, it's been so long. It was Jennifer Coolidge for the finale. Kieran yeah, Culkin yeah. right, before yeah. that. And I don't remember who the third. One I don't was. think I knew what the other one was. I don't think I recognized the name. I remember Jennifer Coolidge when that name came up. I thought, oh, that's that's like such a a, a great wild card pick, you know, for the for the finale run of the show. Um, was she going to do the Mother's Day show? Was that going to be? Oh no, because yeah. that would have happened in April. So we kind of, mm. yeah, we kind of sort of Mother's well, Day we, in the we, US. We, is we, May. we listed the week before. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's part of the final run of three. So we did miss that one. Yeah. Was that going to be hers? The Mother's Day episode? I think so. The finale is usually the Mother's Day, right? Yeah, no, she's she's such a underrated talent, like a, as a comedic talent, and she's done a lot more than I think people remember her right, for. Yeah. So I, I think that she would have been surprisingly good on the show, and I hope that we find her sometime in the fall because uh, yeah. that was one I was going to be very interested to see. For sure, I think she'll still be relevant when the time comes. I believe there's going to be more White Lotus coming, right? Well, yeah, but have you watched um, season I, two? Ugh, no. <laughs> I have not watched any of it. Spoiler, just, like, it doesn't semi-spoil go well it? for Jennifer Coolidge. Oh, great. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because I thought, you know, I was thinking about it. I was like, hasn't she been on the show before? And it was just Chloe doing her impression all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah, Chloe did that impression like twice this season, I think. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Steve, you ha- enough. do you have any uh, writer's strike thoughts? Are you going to come out firmly anti-union or? <laughs> well, I mean, you, you got to support it. I think that's the only reasonable take you could have and not sound like a total asshole. (laughs) I mean, lucky for us viewers, we've come out. There is so much great television. You can't have possibly already watched it. Like I look at just the past two years and I'm like, I'm so behind. Like, thank God I finally can catch up. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about our uh, season bests. You know, what are what are our favorites here? We've got we've got a handful of categories to go through. And uh up first is the moment of the season. And I'm I'm uh I assume John does not have an answer ready, so I'm going to throw to Steve. I'll tell you one that comes to mind. It's uh it was from the Travis Kelsey episode. I always find myself chuckling at that uh, explanation of the three shades <laughs> of the children. Oh, yeah. I had this one when I was on top. I mm-hmm. had this one on bottom, and we were doing a side thing for this right. one. Um, <laughs> probably makes me sound slightly racist to, to think of that over everything else, but I just thought it was so funny. And I appreciated it because it had nothing to do with the story right. of the sketch. And it was just like, here's an extra thing to laugh at since we're all here. But it was um, like, oh, hey, look, we have this diverse <laughs> cast, but we know what you're thinking. Uh- <laughs> yeah. But like, I feel like I get moments, like moments stand out to me when when the sketch itself has a series of moments to think about. Because like, I think about that sketch a lot because of like James's guitar solo um, and the premise itself and why we're all there watching it in the first place was funny. Mm-hmm. The fact that it was a second attempt with a second host, there's so much going on with this, but yeah, just that sketch and ego, just that moment of the sketch and ego's delivery really stands out to me. Mm-hmm. as just like peak silly SNL. Yeah. My, uh, my best moment of the season also involves ego. Uh, and it is the now iconic original Lisa from Temecula sketch, not to be confused with the wedding version of the Lisa from Temecula <laughs> sketch, uh, where I believe it's Devin comes out and says, we've got some complaints. And she goes, what? Because we black. And <laughs> she delivers the line flawlessly. But then it cuts to that shot of Bowen who just cannot hold it together. And it was just <laughs> we talked about it at length on the episode when we covered it. But it was that lightning in a bottle live TV moment that is just the reason why we love this show. And I mean, when I think about the season, I feel like that that is going to be the thing that keeps coming back to me about this season. So that's mine. John, did you come up with anything? Oh, I I think I might have to take a take a pass on this. Um, This is this is so weird because normally I would not be hung up trying to find a like a single moment that. Uh, I remember being like really heavily impacted by watching the show, but when you're watching it casually, like when you've got a baby puking on your shoulders, you're, you're, you're dead tired, or maybe you're just like catching it on YouTube the next day or something. It, the show doesn't make the same impact as when you're right. like really digging deep into it. Um, and so honestly, like the first three quarters of the season, I have next to no recollection of, <laughs> and when you sent me the notes earlier today, I'm like, oh, geez, I gotta, I gotta go back and cram and try and figure this out. Um, so I just started trying to binge some of the the episodes that I remember being fun, like standout ones to me. But even still, I don't, I just don't remember anything that was just like, this is a cultural moment. This is like something that everyone's going to be talking about for the next week. Like SNL really, really crystallized a funny idea here that's universal. Like I just didn't maybe I missed it because again, when you're watching it casually, you're not always like catching every word and, and hanging on every, every punchline. Um, so honestly, I, I, this section, I, I'm going to have very little to say. <laughs> Leave it to John to take in a minute and a half to say, I got nothing. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I got nothing. I, uh, all right. Well, our next, our next category is best live sketch. John, what is it? <laughs> again, 
don't 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 do it. I'll agree with one of you guys on yours, but I, I got nothing I'm, to put I'm forward. Just I'm just messing sorry. with you. I didn't really mean to yeah. make you go first. Steve, what's your best live sketch? I think that Lisa's sketch is probably my favorite just because it was such a beautiful mess. It's like watching it's like walking in on your child painting the wall. <laughs> and you like you know it's wrong and and, and it's <laughs> <laughs> it's not the greatest thing in the world, but you just can't help but feel certain things, you know. Oh my god, they're learning. I had these mixed emotions where I'm like, this is this sketch is just not going well. This this is just a <laughs> whirlwind. But you know, just like Carol Burnett taught us back in the day, it's it it's funnier when it doesn't go well, and it's for a big for like diehard fans like us who kind of have like a, a parasocial relationship with these people to see them like break character and be themselves is like kind of what we're there for sometimes and uh you know it had pedro pascal who's like the daddy of of (laughs) pop culture right now Mm -hmm. uh just seeing everyone have fun and uh just seeing one of our favorites ego just doing so well as the lead It, it was hard not to fall in love with it completely I think what I'll do is I'm going to be the tiebreaker from here on out. You guys put forward your options and I'll let you know which one of you is correct. How That's about a we good use of you. <laughs> sure. It's better than me having contribute. to come up with anything. <laughs> All right. So what do you I, got, Catherine? Impress me. Uh, well, I mean, I'm also leaning towards Lisa from Temecula because I do think it is. it was just an instant classic. But since I already honored it in moment, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually give it to something else, which I don't like. If you literally wanted to know what I think is like the best written, most incredible live sketch of the season. I honestly, first of all, wouldn't even know what to tell you. I'd have to really look more in depth to decide. Uh, but my, my favorite live sketch of the season was probably King Brothers Toyota. Um, mm. I think it was easily forgettable. It didn't come with a lot of fanfare, but I just thought it was such a fun premise delivered with great energy and just like kooky observational hilarity. Uh, I just really loved King Brothers Toyota. So that's what I'm going to give my best live sketch to. Okay. Fair enough. Steve's correct. It it is Lisa. (laughs) Easy tiebreaker. But the the distinction of, is this the best crafted sketch? The one where you step back and say, that is a perfectly formed little piece of sketch art. Or is it just the one that tickles you? You can't, you can't critique it. If someone's saying this is just the one that that hit me right. So yeah, uh, yeah, good on both of you. Great, great picks. I just, yeah, I just feel like the Lisa from Temecula had those, those extras where it's not just like the cast involved, but it's, mm-hmm. there's, there's stage hands like doing puppetry, if you could call it that with shaking the table right. and, mm-hmm. you know, it's the, one of those beautiful messes that, yeah, yeah, it's, it's always fun. It, it, it might as well be Dan Aykroyd, like squirting blood all over ever. Like it's, it's one of those things where it, the spectacle is half the fun of it. Right. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. All right. Let's talk about our best pre-tapes. I'm going to say Mario Kart just because I feel like they had some really clever ways of tying the two intellectual properties together. Uh, maybe it's not so brilliant in hindsight, but you know, I thought it was clever that, you know, Mario has mushrooms and <laughs> the last of us has mushrooms and we can use those <laughs> to make, find some common ground between them. But just taking the uh, just taking the premise of Mario and translating it into the overall the, the macabre of mm-hmm. the uh, of the Last of Us, 
uh, I just thought they did a really good job. And on top of, you know, making that atmosphere work, uh, you know, the performances of, uh, of everyone involved was just so great. And then you have all of that amazing visual effects work done so quickly and done so well. You know, there was just a lot of wins with this. And I don't think it's just me because when you look at the zeitgeist and, and what mm-hmm. people took away from the show, like this is one I saw shared a lot. It was all over social media and it seemed like a lot of people didn't even realize it was from SNL. It was just like, look at this funny thing that exists. Mm-hmm. And then they talk about how SNL was only good when they were in high school, like <laughs> <laughs> in the same breath. Right. Right. Uh, it was just one of those uh one of those great things and you can you know they they do it often enough uh it's it's one of those joker uh type things what was that oscar yeah oscar joker became oscar right. um yeah uh the, i've always praised snl for being able to tap into pop culture and i don't know take something that we're familiar with and and just reskinning it so mm-hmm so well yeah it's it's mapping mario kart onto the last of us and it was a brilliant idea they said you know this guy's in the last of us it's like a video game what's the shiniest happiest most joyful video game that we can make dark (laughs) and they landed on mario kart um that also happened to be in the theaters at that exact time like so it's also capturing all that enthusiasm for the character yeah yeah um and yeah produced incredibly pulled off very well uh, that was Mario Kart's definitely in my in my top three. My other two are, are Waffle House and Big Boys. I think Big Boys gets an honorable mention because it was it's such a fun idea. It, it was it was representation done well, and it's so catchy. Like I literally heard someone walking down the street listening to the song recently. Um, but I think I think I have to go with Waffle House because a I love Waffle House, but b I think it was just such a brilliant idea to have this whole scene in the foreground that is not at all the funny thing and just everything in the background being hilarious and layering it all together and weaving a story again in the background of the sketch that then becomes the focus of the sketch. I think it was just such an amazing idea and such the perfect way to take on the chaos of a waffle house. Um, Hmm. And I, I just, I love it so much. I've watched it a million times. So (laughs) good. Um, got aside with Steve on this one, Mario Kart. I I'm so I, good at this. I have a special place in my heart for gritty reimaginings of innocent children's fair like that. That uh, that's a win every time for yeah. me. You guys mentioned the Grouch. SNL's done it many times over, and uh, it's just it's just so easy to find the little set pieces to punctuate it and and yeah. pull those two worlds together. Um, but also as an event on the show, like where they're breaking new ground, it was kind of an important sketch. If, um, if you knew anything about the behind the scenes on that, they pulled in an effects house from LA called corridor crew to produce some of the shots for them. Cause you've, you've never seen anything with quite that much, um, fully realized visual effects. Right? Mm-hmm. Like they, they have things like they're, they might have some like corny CG in sketches, but they, they haven't crossed that bridge to like where it's like really top flight. And um, by collabing with, with corridor crew and just shooting really high with it, um, it just, it just 
to me, it impressed me what they could turn around in a week and doing right. it remotely, like with, with, a with another, um, group out in LA. Um, it was just a, a very nicely realized sketch that shot really high. And so I have to give them high marks for the, the effort and just, yeah, just the, the visual, um, splendor of it all, uh, was all top notch and the genre I love again, the gritty reimagining is always a win for me. So Steve, you are correct. Um, yep. you now take the lead. Um, but Catherine, you're only down by two, so you can still pull, pull out a win here. If you, if you think, can really yeah. step up your game. And thank you for mentioning corridor because they were a big part of making this, uh, happen. Uh, yeah. Peter Fenner. Thank you for the, for the work you did on this. I will say one more thing. <clears throat> I think this is my favorite thing and it, and it can't go unnoticed, but like the real joke. And I think my favorite part of this is the fact that they took the last of us, which was meant to be, which was like a, a natural fit for a television show. Cause it's such a story driven game. There's a lot to draw from to make a few seasons of a, uh, you know, a prestige television show. Comparing that to Mario Kart, which is has no story, <laughs> void of story. <laughs> sure, I think the lightest is, of children's fair. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think that is the most brilliant joke that they're making with this: is <laughs> that they're trying to give the treatment of a story-based game to a very non-story-based mm-hmm. game. Yeah, yeah. Now I'll shut up. <laughs> Good. Uh, so <laughs> the next category uh, is best weekend update feature. Steve, I'm sure you're going to win, so I may as well throw to you first. <laughs> I'm going to go with, I forget what they called it, James Austin Johnson's uh, five-minute impression or leftover impressions. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. We have five minutes of, of airtime to kill. Let's bring James out. I forget what they called it. Something like that. But yeah. I, I thought it was probably the best vehicle to use something that we're just so used to and maybe sick of. It's just like, let's... Here's another excuse for our impressionists to do impressions. You know, there's only so many ways you can do that. And it's always just a paper thin excuse. You know, uh, I just love the whole idea behind this being something that would normally be unfit for air. And it was just, you know, we happen to have a hole to fill and that's why we're doing it. And I think it works in a way that only James could do it because we're just so mesmerized by what he can do and we've seen him do so many impressions and we're already just so at ease in his hands that you know we can frame something as as an afterthought as a as a a a bunch of like (laughs) snippets on the floor that we just sweep throwaway material for him yeah 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 and they were all jokes in themselves that were kind of enhanced by the uh by the uh the impression like you can almost see the joke coming and you're already laughing but then you hear it like when he's describing bob dylan's vibrating cell phone i'm already hearing that in my head (laughs) and then he just pushes me over the edge and i'm ready to laugh like i'm just ready to start giggling it's already happening a little bit and then he does it and i and i just fall on the floor I just thought it had so many great little parts that made up this five minute opus <laughs> that I hope he is remembered for. Fair. I, um, <laughs> I forgot about that one completely. Um, but it, it was lovely. I don't feel like so there was, won't be remembered for it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, not by me, but, um, maybe by <laughs> the world at large. Uh, look, I already gave James his credit with King brothers Toyota. He, he can't ask for more from me. Um, weekend update features. They're, 
there were some great ones. There were some meh ones. But for me, like, as I was thinking back through it, and even as I was, as I was, as I was scrolling the list, I wasn't like, oh, that's the one that was just like blew me out of the water. Like I didn't, there wasn't a single one this season that I was like, that was say the first appearance of Angel, every boxer's girlfriend, something like that, that would just was really like, yes, that's the one. Um, so I, I ultimately landed on two that were mostly sort of just uh, fan service which was in between April Ludgate and Leslie Nope appearing and Kathy Ann coming on for Cecily's goodbye. She lit the smoke. And of the <laughs> two, I'm going to go with Kathy Ann because I loved Kathy. Kathy Ann's one of my favorite weekend update characters. And while I don't think this iteration was necessarily the strongest Kathy Ann bit, if you, you know, pull back and look at the scope of it and what it meant, the meta commentary on it, uh, it was it was a pretty great it was a beautiful thing that we got to see and it was Kathy Ann saying goodbye it was Kathy Ann being hilarious so I think that would be my top uh, but I will say Steve as much as we poo pooed the English rappers I think about that update feature <laughs> once a week <laughs> well it's burrowed into your brain for better I don't, or worse I don't want to see it again but I think about it so often <laughs> just like the. <laughs> I just do that noise. I just find myself doing that. And then it's like, I'm allergic to dairy. Like there's just like these two little snippets of it that are just burrowed down in there that are part of my DNA now, but not a great feature, but I, I needed to announce that maybe I was a little too harsh on it. Uh, anyway, John, between, between uh, whatever it was, Steve said, and Kathy Ann, Kathy Ann and judge leftovers. Yes. Um, you know what? Even though I disagree with your rationale for including Kathy Ann, I'm giving you the point. Yes. Cecily has had a great run on the show. Um, it's hard to not be feeling stuff, you know, watching, you know, one of her final performances and, and bringing back a character that um, maybe was past its peak, but they, they really took a really good run at doing a quality Kathy Ann outing. Mm -hmm. um, so even though it's more about what it meant for the show, that this is kind of her signing off with, with one of her classic characters, um, it was still fun in its own right. And uh, it was impactful for just, just because of uh, the meta of it all. So mm -hmm. uh, for that reason, I, I think that we'll, we'll, we'll side with Catherine on this one. All right. Two, one. Well, <laughs> making a comeback. We're not keeping score, are we? Come on. <laughs> I'm always keeping score. <laughs> All right. Our next category is the MVP of the season, which we, Steve, who's your MVP? I'm just going to say James Austin Johnson. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah, Cause like we, you know, we consider him a repertory player, which means he has the screen time to realistically be a contender for this MVP position. And uh, as much as I love some of my older standbys on the show, uh, I just love everything he does. And I feel happy whenever I see him. It's, I don't even want to over explain it. Cause I, I feel like I don't have to, Sure, it's just all there. You know, the, the impressions, the characters, the, uh, you know, the leading, the sketch, the being the backbone of a sketch. It's, it's all there. I'm going to, I'm going to give it to our golden boy Bowen. Uh, I think, you know, he is, there's nowhere to go but up for him. I think uh, he was stealing scenes. He was doing utility work and he was just being Bowen and doing things the way only Bowen can. And 
to the point where they did that weird little T-Mobile thing and he was the only one in it, whatever that was. But yeah, I mean, it was like, here's our guy. He's our star. Let's put him in the thing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's Bo and Yang all day. Oh, I hate to admit it because Steve made a compelling argument, but you're right, Catherine. It's Bowen. Sometimes the MVP is just the quarterback, like plain right. and simple. It's the one that <laughs> is is moving you down the field quick and competently. And uh, Bowen rarely misfires. He's got such an, an infectious persona. And having come in earlier on as a writer and being so deeply ingrained into the stuff that he produces and just having a clear voice and always bringing something that can elevate a sketch he is, he's the quarterback in, yeah. in, in many ways in that regard. And uh, yeah, even though we've sung his praises for years and I kind of feel like he doesn't need any more attaboys <laughs> still, he's, he's doing the job and you're right. He's like, as far as the, the top tier of repertory players, he's, he's right there. He's a standout. So yeah, I, I think, I think it's Bowen. All right. Two to two. Our next category is uh best episode. Which is interesting. As I was going through this, because spoiler alert, the category after this one is best host, and it's 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 difficult to separate the two, but it is possible. So, best episode, I think, is you know, on the whole, what gave us the best fare? Steve, do you have one ready to go? I'm going to say the Pedro Pascal episode. Uh, part of me wants to say the Travis Kelsey episode because there were just so many bangers in there, but. Uh, it's, I don't think it's fair because like a lot of the Travis Kelsey episode, a lot of it was because I love the sketches, but I also was surprised at how good Travis was, mm-hmm. um, which might be just a little bit too generous, if you will. Um, I think of Pedro Pascal's episode, and there was a lot of great material there, and he did a good job when he had to. Um, you know, he played his characters well, like the latino mother was very inspired like i still think of it he just like to jump um and maybe i should have picked that as my moment now that <laughs> i think of it but uh you know there was there were great moments where he genuinely made me laugh and then there were moments he was making me laugh because he was laughing uh and yeah i love him as much as the rest of the internet does apparently <laughs> i loved him longer <laughs> <laughs> Not that it's a competition. I loved him when he was still getting his head crushed by Hafthor Bjornsson. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's I don't no know what longer... that means and I don't want to. So, uh... Well, I'm saying I knew him from Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. And not uh, Last of Us or <laughs> that Nick Cage movie that everybody loves. Uh, right. Yeah, I, I, he's just been on my radar for a long time. So it was, it's great to see him get the recognition as, as a, you know, as a likable Hollywood figure. Yeah. I, I think, I think there's definitely something to be said for the Pedro Pascal episode. I think he was great. I think there were a lot of great sketches. And as far as the zeitgeist goes, Pedro Pascal is really having a moment. People were excited to see him. Ho- people that I know that don't really watch SNL wanted to see Pedro Pascal's episode and really enjoyed it. Uh, but, but for me, the one that was, really hitting didn't didn't have any misses that everything was enjoyable i was having fun with it the cast seemed to be having fun it just had a good energy to it was the travis kelsey episode i think it was consistently really good snl um so that's my answer who's who's right john it's tricky because you both make a good case pedro pascal's episode 
higher highs, like some big spectacle. Mario Kart obviously comes to mind. Um, Travis Kelsey, very even. You're right. Not a lot of clunkers or anything that you groan at. So as far as like, if we're going by quality of writing, I think the Travis Kelsey episode edges out the Pedro Pascal episode. Um, but they were definitely both tops for the season. Like they they were definitely, I think easily in the top four. Yeah. Mm. I, I wouldn't put them, put either of them any lower than that. So I think I'm going to side with Catherine on this because when it comes right down to it, I really like competent writing on SNL because sometimes it's such a, a mixed bag, you know, you get a good sketch and then you got to wait through a, a couple real groaners to get back to something that you're, <laughs> right. you think has a spark of brilliance. So when a whole episode is just like, yeah, that was, that was fun. Yeah. Light and breezy that that's good SNL for me. Yeah. So I'll go with that. That's what we like All to right. see. Good thing. We're not keeping score. It's three to two. <laughs> Our our next category is best host, and uh, I'm going to flippy flop it and say Pedro Pascal was the best host uh, mm. because I think um, he, his while Travis Kelsey surprised us and uh, turned in a really great performance, I would love to see him come back. I think Pedro Pascal was just phenomenal, incredible performances, whether he meant them to be or not. Like when you think Lisa from Temecula. In the moment, I'm sure he wished, man, I wasn't breaking. In in retrospect, I'm sure he <laughs> sees that it was the best thing for it to happen. But like that was just such excellent television, and I think played to the how genuine of a person he comes across on screen. And I think he brought that to every sketch. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go Pedro Pascal for best host, Steve. I will too, and I pretty much shot my load with the last uh, last category so there. So you can fast. flippy flop it and uh, say Travis Kelsey. No, no, no. Cause it wouldn't <laughs> be honest. I thought he did a good job, but Pedro, like I said, you know, he hit it where he had to, he stumbled where it was best to stumble. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just, it was great to watch. And you could tell he enjoyed himself. Uh, he came off very likable, um, and lived up to his, uh, lived up to his persona that he's kind of come into now he is he is the dead just copy and paste everything i said about the <laughs> pedro pascal episode and right. it will apply to why he was the best host to me fair enough yeah. said he's great i think hey, he'll probably be back this season oh we're both wrong i didn't even know that was a possible <laughs> no, no. option no since since i've bowed out of the actual rankings um uh, it's a it's a perfectly fine choice but i have a couple honorable mentions okay Molly Shannon seemed genuinely enthusiastic to be there. Like just so appreciative, so happy, just it, 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 it warmed my heart to see her come back and host. So as a fun indulgence for me, watching her really enjoy her time there uh, makes her feel like a standout Dave Chappelle, even though this wasn't, I think the best episode that he's turned in Um the show has built a tradition around having him after elections almost to like take the temperature down <laughs> a little bit. Um, but just simply as a capable host that owns his show and brings his voice to a show. And you can see it in the writing that they dig a little deeper and have a slightly smarter perspective on racial issues. And just, there's a, there's a lot that he brings with him when he does an episode. And that was present, even though it wasn't the strongest of his outings, you got to respect just the, the gravitas and the, the 
just the seasoned professionalism that he brings. So I think we'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention, you know, uh, some of the uh, outside the box uh, choices for that particular topic. And, and, you know, while we're, while we're on it, I'll say Quinta Brunson. Uh, we didn't really, mm. we didn't get to do that episode, but that was someone that I wanted to see host. I was really excited when it was announced because I think Abbott Elementary is great. And I think she's just incredible and lovely. And uh, I think her episode, it's hard for me to objectively say if it was good or bad or even subjectively because I was, like I said, I, I wasn't really in a place where I was interested in seeing mm. the show and I watched it and I didn't enjoy it. But when I go back and watch some of those sketches, it's like, oh yeah, these were these are fine. I was just in a really bad mood. Um, but I think yeah. Quinta Brunson was, was lovely. And uh, I, I hope she gets to come back more because I think she has a great career ahead of her. And, you know, we'll see what she brings to the table or what she continues to bring to SNL. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. All right. Our, our last one. Uh, well, because I assume John's going to weigh in on the scale. So our last one is best musical <laughs> guest. And it's easily the one that we all care least about. Steve, who is. Jeez. I'm having such a brain fart right now. I mean, I'm going to give it to Brandy Carlisle because I think she was a brought a great energy. I think she's super talented. I think she's a great musician and she did a thing that I, I wish more people would, would do just because like I'm a, I'm a Taylor Swift fan. So I'm really, I'm at my limit on new music I could possibly consume. Uh, so Brandy Carlisle came on and played like an oldie, but a goodie. And I was like, I know that one. Great. Cause I'm not, I don't have the energy or time to listen to your new stuff. Uh, so you played this one that I really like from a few years ago and I was, I was digging it. It was a great time. And I think uh, that's an underrated, like, I know we all want to promote our new singles, but like, especially when it's like your, you know, your first time, your second time on the show, the audience kind of just wants to know who you are and what you're about. They don't really care. So just play something, you know, works. Um, so that's such like an Brandy old fogey Carlisle. take. I know. Old I'm sorry. <laughs> it is. Oh, I like the earlier stuff. The new stuff just doesn't do it. <laughs> uh, but I, I like them when they were underground. Yeah. Yeah. Back before they sold out. Um, okay. But that's, that's legit. Like she's a, she's a talented, talented yeah. performer. What do you got, Steve? I'm going to go with the 1975. Uh, just cause I really enjoy their sound. And it's, uh, I guess it's <laughs> recent enough in the season that I remember it more. Like, I can't even tell you what Willow played or what Kendrick Lamar played. I remember uh, Willow having a really good energy and being like, that was fun. I don't know what the song Yeah, was. I'm sure I loved it at the time, but it's just like, sometimes I look back at early episodes of the season. I was like, that was this season? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, yeah. Now, yeah. When you just mentioned Willow, I was like, oh, right. That was a whole thing. Like, so much of it is just a blank from yeah. anything before 2023. Yeah, I, I as much as I think the lead singer guy from the 1975 is a big Don't get me started. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And he just broke Don't up with Taylor Swift for the second time. So that's probably what Catherine's talking about there. Um I think that one's Yeah, away, I just love sure. their music. Uh, I I love their sound. It's kind of like uh Genesis meets uh Erasure. Like if they formed a super group, that would they would probably sound like the, the 1975 no one has ever compared those two bands <laughs> together but I, I think that's what it what it's reminiscent of to me so who's right brandy carlisle or 1975 oh <laughs> you know, this is this is where it's my turn to chime yeah. in ah, you know what it's brandy carlisle 
it, it, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Steve, but I don't put them in the same category. And it, this is totally subjective, right? Like music just comes down to personal taste a lot of the time, but I don't, I, I have mad respect for Brandy Carlo. So that's, that's where I'll land. So for those oh, counting, Alex. that puts us at four, two. <laughs> Ooh, I, I really blew my early lead. <laughs> Come from He's behind victory for Catherine. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> just been objectively wrong ever since that. <laughs> Who could have seen it coming? Should. Certainly not me. All right. Well, now for the big one on a scale of classic, great, decent, weak, or train wreck. Steve, how would you rate season 48? I'll put it at a decent. This is good SNL. There's a few moments there that I could bring up to talk about in discussion like this. But when it's like at the water cooler, you know, there wasn't many times where I was going like, did you see SNL? You have to, you have to. Like I showed people the the Mario Kart sketch just to be like, look what they could do in four days. Um, And that's not even like the right reason to be showing (laughs) off an SNL sketch. Right. Um, I just had a lot of fun. I enjoy tuning in and it never seemed to be a drag to me. Like it wasn't just like, Oh, got to watch another SNL because I'm going to have to go on this podcast. <laughs> it, it never got that bad. And, you know, I can also think of times where I was more inspired and more blown away by what SNL was throwing at me. So uh, I, I just got to stay in the middle. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it was a pretty middle season. There were some, there was some great stuff to be found and there was some not so great stuff, uh, but nothing that was consistently, like you said, wow, this this is why I watch this show. This is incredible. Um, as much as I think they kind of hate this term, it did feel like a rebuilding year uh, of like, <laughs> you know, I don't I don't feel like like, say, the Heidi's and the Egos and the Bowens really had to do much finding of their footing. But like there there is just this transitionary period of like figuring out for lack of better words, the new voice of the show. Uh, and I, and I think they got there a few times, but I don't think it was consistently just like firing on all cylinders. Like I think we have seen, uh, you know, maybe earlier in the you know, season 44 through 46 mm-hmm. range, uh, that where I can, I can think of a lot of really classic stuff going on in there. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think it was, it was bad by any means, but you know, it, it was just fine. John, how about you? This one's tricky because my gut is saying I got to go with weak. Um, and I want to, I want to like check myself on this because when you are just watching the show casually and there's sketches here or there that you might just completely miss because you walk out of the room and you don't watch it two or three times to prepare for a podcast. Um, I don't know if I'm qualified or can offer a fair assessment, but I do know that for some of the big episodes that I was tuning in really enthusiastic about some of them, I felt really came across just a a little thin and um, the writing seemed to be all over the map and uh, just some, some things where I thought, Oh, this is a a sure thing. Like this is, there's no way this isn't going to be a brilliant episode. Those ones tended to, to let me down a little bit, but then at other times when you have no expectations going into it, sometimes they surprise you. So it's not like it was a bad season or there wasn't highlights, but I just felt, if if you're just going to stack up every sketch that got over the line compared to every sketch that didn't, mm-hmm. I felt like maybe it was veering a little more into weak territory than, than I would have hoped to have seen. Um, but I'll be the first to admit that that's probably as much about where I was at, at any given Saturday night. And uh, again, just how casually I was uh, approaching the show. So that's, that's how I'm feeling, but 
I would defer to you guys. I think that you guys have the more measured and um, informed take on the show. There you Fair go. Enough. So we season 48, decent. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure they'll love to hear it. Um, <laughs> but you know what? Isn't that almost every season of SNL? Yes. Like you, you can't produce a thousand sketches and not have any person be able to pick out the, the groaners and the highlights. Like right. it's, it's very hard to figure out exactly where it lands, but it's always, you know, if they're batting above 500, we consider that good SNL. Right. It, it, and it's, it's really hard in the moment to say what is classic. Great. Like going to greats a little easier. If I feel like if the season had been just a little bit more consistent, I think it could have gotten to great, mm. but there were just some weak yeah. episodes in there, but Yep. It, it's hard. I feel like oftentimes we'll watch something that in three weeks I'll say that was a classic episode, but in the moment I'm a, I won't say it. You know, it you have to marinate in it for a no. minute. So that's very true. When you revisit episodes, when there isn't any expectation put on it, you kind of know what you're going to expect. Then you can just enjoy the moments and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just not not feel let down when a sketch doesn't land because you, you see it coming. You know that that's right. going to happen, so you just enjoy the highs and the the lows become forgettable at that point. So right. I'm I'm sure it'll age as well as any other SNL. There's gonna there's gonna be a few dozen sketches that we're going to remember for a long time, and the rest of it goes the way of well, about seventy five percent SNL sketches. <laughs> <laughs> there you All go. right. Well, uh, I mean that's that's the end of our our season 48 stuff to talk about. But uh, as always, I'm prepared to throw to John with a, with an announcement. Oh, you're throwing to me for this. You always do the announcements. Oh, (laughs) I was not, I was not aware. I feel like anytime there's a state of the show, I'm always like, all right, John, you you do that. Fair enough. I, now I wish I'd gathered my thoughts and had something (laughs) a little more clever. I also have announcements too. When, When can we get to my announcements? Okay, Steve, let's start with your announcements. What's, what's, what's happening in Steve's world? Well, you know, we, we put this wand against my partner's uh, stomach and uh, we saw something that looked like this. Now, I don't know if you can see that, but that apparently is it. Uh, oh, she's heavily constipated. Human- <laughs> <laughs> you, you, need to, you need to get that looked into because there's something weird going on. No, that is... <laughs> That is a little baby girl, and that is going to be my first coming in November. I'm going How to many be months? a dad. How many months along? How many point? months along? I guess that's what three, four oh, months. Well, if it's due in November, I could probably do the math if I. Uh, yeah, like that's. <laughs> Why are you asking that? I'm telling you, November. <laughs> figure it out yourself. <laughs> I guess. All right. Well, it's, it's coming up quick. It's coming up quick. It's going to be here in no time. That's five and a half months. A right, little John, baby you're, Steve. You're, a little, your best parenting a little take. baby girl, Steve. <laughs> My best parenting take, um, try not to drop them. That's all I know. And hope that, uh, your lady friend is, is good with the babies. Like, uh, you know, it, it's funny. You can read all you want going into it. There's going to be a little flip. That's going to switch in your brain. The second you look, lay eyes on that kid and whatever paternal or maternal instincts you guys have, they're just going to show up and, uh, it's going to blow you away. How, uh, how interesting the next phase of your life is going to be. It, there'll never be a dull moment. And even when you're dog tired and cursing the heavens for saddling you with another human being that you're responsible for, you're, you're, you're never going to regret a moment of it. So that's good. Uh, rock that's good, on and, and I'm just enjoy trying the experience. So hard to care. And it's, it, I guess I just, it comes when I see the baby. <laughs> hopefully hopefully if kidding. you're not a sociopath, but yeah, you know, we did this no, on purpose. Okay. This good. Was planned. Well, 
that's well, that's ideal. Yeah, it's it's better. It's yeah, it's it's better when it's you know not a surprise. <laughs> I mean, there's the age-old saying that a woman becomes a mother when she gets pregnant, and a man becomes a father when the baby's born. So I don't, I don't think you're alone. That's there. that's very poetic. No, it's like it's going to be great. You're going to be great at it. You're going to be the fun dad. Your wife's going to hate that you're so indulgent and, uh, you know, <laughs> give in. And your daughter's going to flutter her eyes at you and you're going to just shower her with candy and little, my little pony. And um, you're you're both going to be better for it. And uh, your wife is going to be the disciplinarian. Dad, at least in our situation, dad is the fun one. He's the one that undermines mom and does all the fun things. And mom has to just come by and sweep up the chaos that I create. I hope that you have a similar experience because it's, it's awesome. (laughs) It's so much fun. Well, I never did like having money anyway. No, you're not going to have any of that for a while, (laughs) but you're going to be a dad and that's priceless. We're very happy for you. Hooray. Just like my MasterCard. So yeah, fun new phase in Steve's life. And, um, you know, interestingly, like Steve had let us know this a little while back. And so, um, he said straight out, look, I have a kid on the way. I'm not going to be able to participate in the cast anymore. And we, Catherine, and I said, well, we love the cast and we need it to continue on indefinitely. How can you do this to us? How can you pull the rug out from under us mm-hmm. and tell us that you can't be a part of it moving forward? And so because of your selfishness, we actually have an announcement that we have to make too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I want to throw to Catherine because I don't have any clever way of putting it, <laughs> but you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put her on the spot. Um, Everything that I just said about Steve is pure bunk. Um, <laughs> however, we are at uh, a crossroads with the show, as we seem to be every season. <laughs> um, you know, we 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 have some frank conversations before the start of a season and figure out where we're at in life and figure out what the show is doing for us and whether we're having fun with it and whether we're at a place in our life where we can keep it going and and really what does the future hold and. Um, even though Steve's baby situation wasn't a factor in our decision-making, uh, it seems like it's probably as good a time as any to maybe hang up the microphones and uh, call it a day with the SNL after party podcast. And uh, that's not a decision we arrived at lightly, but Catherine has a lot going on in her life. She's directing comedy shows. She's writing. She's got her hands in, in many pies and uh, with all of her creative endeavors, asking her to buy out a day or two every week just to, you know, edit and produce and make the show what it is. It's a, it's a heavy load. Uh, I know that all too well because three years ago I was in the same place where, you know, we'd been producing the show. It's very time consuming. It's a heck of a lot of fun and it's been a, you know, a magical ride in many ways, but sometimes you have to step back and say, do I just have the circumstance and the energy to put in another season and I don't think it's fair to ask Catherine to try and wedge in this this uh, heavy production schedule into what she's got going on. And if it's not fun, like if if it becomes a burden and if it's something that we're doing out of obligation and not because it's providing us creative joy, then it doesn't make sense to keep it going forward. And uh, so, yeah, we uh, we put in a, a couple, I think, really solid seasons with the the YouTube version of the show since Catherine came on board. And uh, now I think it's time to move on to other creative endeavors and uh, spend time with our growing families and what's nots. I got four of them I got to try and keep alive. Steve's got one. And Catherine, well, she's got 
troops Zoom. and troops and troops full of, <laughs> you know, ju- juvenile codependent people that need her steady hand <laughs> animals. to guide their creative endeavors. Yes. And of course, pets of, of many, many sizes and shapes. Yeah. Um, Who yeah, has so a that's microphone, by the way? It, it's a that's metaphor. Not a thing. That's not a it's, thing. I was, I was trying to be poetic. It, it not look not every analogy lands okay it's not all it's not all grade a material i did my best you know it will land cuff. a microphone if you try to hang it because there's no hook it'll just Th- thanks dave you're 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 really helping this situation this this poignant and sober moment <laughs> that we're we're trying to round out the show with it's 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 nice that you can be here to offer we're releasing offer tension we just put them through that and now we're just letting them laugh a little yeah. I just love the, so, the pedestal John situated himself on of I couldn't possibly ask Catherine of this because I'm I'm just such a considerate person. And I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I really, really I sat back and I reflected on what I've asked of Catherine and not Catherine said, I think it's time to move on. <laughs> <laughs> I was not going to say anything. Well, I was tr- I was trying to own it. I wasn't trying to put you know it, that Fair. on on anyone. But b- bottom line, we're all kind of at the same place. Like right. six. How, how many seasons? Is this we we've been doing this since season forty one. So like how uh, at a certain point a show's run its course. I've like not that I wouldn't go on any other podcast and talk SNL anytime if I was invited. But over the course of these many years, I've said basically everything I can think to say about SNL. You know, we've, we've learned more about the show in the process and just you know, really been able to pick it apart and dig deep. And how many, how many seasons do you want to do that before you can just get back to enjoying it as a, as a casual viewer? And, uh, I think we're all kind of there right now. We, yeah. We've, we've put a lot of time in, into this cast and I think, you know, it, it's been more rewarding, at least for me personally, I can say it's been more rewarding for me than, well, any hobby I could have ever thought of taken on. And we've had a lot of fun experiences. Um, you know, like w- it, there's nowhere else to go with it. There's no more upside beyond what the show's already provided for us personally. And, uh, you know, we, we built a nice audience along the way and they've been wonderful. And, uh, you know, I, I hope they don't miss us and I hope that they enjoy all the other shows that are out there. But for now, I think uh, I think that's a wrap on the SNL After Party podcast. You guys have poignant thoughts to to add to that? I mean, I, I just want to say that, uh, you know, I mean, John, you basically just said you finished your seven year contract and maybe there's yes, a reason exactly. why that's the length uh, of those contracts, you know. You and around. you know what? You talk to the people at SNL and that's kind of how they start to feel around year seven is yeah. look, I've, I've, I've played every character. We've done great stuff, but w- what else is there for me to do? That's above what we've already accomplished. And I can personally say that I never thought this show would, would be half of what it turned into. And the, you know, the people we've met along the way, the friendships, the, the real win was the <laughs> friendships we made along the way. But uh, in, in all seriousness, uh, this has been a blast and yeah. why not, you know, go out when it's, it's still fun rather than, uh, you know, pull a Roseanne and stick around for three or four seasons after the show is creatively bankrupt. Um, that's, that's kind of where, where I'm feeling like I, I couldn't think of a better time to exit at this point. I've done everything I want to do with the show. I feel like you have Steve. I don't know how you feel about all this, but uh, that, that's where I'm at. So <laughs> well, we didn't where, actually where really got, give where, Steve a say in any of it. <laughs> But, but honestly, where, like, if you think back to where you were at during season 41, when you and I started figuring out what this show was going to be and doing all our test episodes and, and, uh, you know, like you've, you've been there since day one, did you think it would go this far? Did you think you'd, you'd have as much to say as you did? Like, 
is there anywhere well, else to go for you at the show? I mean, I was always going to be around and I would just continue to haul stuff out my ass for as long <laughs> as I needed to, you know, it's been lovely being the one constant to this, uh, cast, you know, I've, mm-hmm. you know, I've, it's, it's changed hands in production and, uh, you know, it's always been a pleasure and, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. You know, it's, it's been great to just have a home to, I don't know, just, it, it's been part therapy. It's been part <laughs> a pastime. It's been, you know, something to <laughs> keep me from doing something less healthy with my life. Uh, <laughs> it's, you know, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do without it. Maybe see. You'll the, have plenty of stuff to do when come November. Yeah. You're, you're not going to be. Uh, yeah, your, your schedule is going to fill up real quick in the fall. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much about needing a creative outlet. <laughs> yeah. Tune in for our next podcast. Baby's day out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would listen to that. Honestly, yep. the adventures of so, Steve. Uh, is actually, actually, we, we should do a little bit of housekeeping because the YouTube channel is not going anywhere. The podcast feed isn't going anywhere. And I could totally see doing one-off whatever's every now and again, maybe movie reviews, maybe season and review. Like when, when any of us are at a point where we're actually itching to do something and we want to buy out some time and produce an episode, we very well may regroup on this. Cause I mean, it is a lot of fun, but at the same time, we're not going to string our audience along and say, we're going to be back in the fall. We're going to do like full coverage. Right. But I mean, if you already subscribed to the channel, don't go and delete it saying they're not going to do anything else. Cause you never, you never know. Um, the, the channel's there. We're all still alive and we're always going to have creative things that we're going to want to explore. So who knows where oh we're at, my. you know, down the road. Just so, when this was starting to feel like a clean break. Oh, no, no. <laughs> it's a clean break for anyone that it wants a clean break. But, <laughs> but just for the audience, don't assume that there's nothing else that's ever going to flow out of that channel. Who knows what that looks like? I, I couldn't even begin to speculate, but the YouTube channel's there. The podcast feed's there. Um, and by all means pop back in every now and again, who knows, maybe, maybe there's something else fun that we're going to explore down the road. But for now we're, we are hanging up our microphones. We are, (laughs) as they say, we are, yeah. Uh, going to, uh, thank our audience for all the support and love that they've offered. But, uh, for now, yeah, we're, we're, we're just gonna let it ride for a while. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, John said jokingly that the real journey was the friends you made along the way and, (laughs) I mean, but it is true. I, I've really loved getting mm-hmm. to know you too and all of our other guests we've had on. Uh, and John, I just, I thank you for letting me take over your show. It's been a good time. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, it's brought great opportunities to me uh, and it means a lot to be trusted. It, yeah, it's been a really great experience and I'm really grateful for everything. And for one last time, John, will you do the outro for us? Absolutely. Well, that's a cast. Thanks to OG sidekick Steve Finn and the incomparable Catherine Coleman. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Neil Weinstein, Justin Gardner, Grace Kogan, and Brian Clark. To everyone who's provided us support and encouragement over the years, on behalf of Catherine, Steve, and myself, I'd like to offer our most sincere, heartfelt thanks for making this show possible. And with that said, this has been the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm John Murray. I'm Catherine Coleman. And I'm Steve Finn. Good Good night night and have a pleasant pleasant tomorrow. tomorrow.